Today with Dr. Rich Roberts. You know, ladies and gentlemen, God provides. He provides in the worst of situations. He provides in the harshest of situations. My Bible tells me that my needs are met according to His riches in glory, and I love this phrase, by Christ Jesus. It seems now that more and more people are waking up to the fact that only God provides for our needs. Even veterans of the faith tend to forget what the difference is between what we want and what we need. Today, with Dr. Rich Roberts, we begin a new Sunday School series entitled, Trusting God, the Life of Elijah. Hello everyone, welcome to our Adult Sunday School again again for this week. Uh, I really hope that you've had a good week, even though we've still been in isolation and so on. Uh, please know that uh, the ministry team here at Portland General Baptist has been praying for you, uh, praying, praying for all of our entire church that in this time of crisis that God has blessed you and helped you. Uh, and we just want to encourage you today. We're starting a new series in our adult Sunday school. Last week we finished the book of Galatians and we're starting a four week series starting today called Trusting God. And we're going to look at the life of Elijah. Uh, I gave you, for those of you who did your homework, if you remember last week, I gave you some homework as far as reading. Uh, I told you to read 1 Kings chapter 17. And so we are going to be dealing with this whole chapter. I'm assuming that, that you have already uh, read 1 Kings 17. If you haven't read it, you may want to pause this video and just open your Bibles and just read Read the entire chapter, 1 Kings chapter 17. It's not that long. It's only 24 verses, but we're going to be dealing with that scripture today. Today, our focus is not just trusting God, but we're going to get, get a little bit more specific. We're going to deal with trusting God's supply. I think with the COVID crisis that's been going on, trusting the supply of God is, is really an important thing for us. Uh, those of you who have done any type of grocery shopping and so on, uh, I have seen sites that I never thought in my lifetime I would see uh, with things, you know, shelves being empty of certain items and so on. I've been really shocked. I don't mind saying it. I've been really shocked that the one issue that we have really had has been things like toilet paper and paper products. You know, if we're, if we're stocking up for a crisis, you'd think it'd be canned foods and, and all those non-perishable things. But those are on the shelves mostly. Uh, you can find the canned foods. You can't find the toilet paper. Uh, so I've been, uh, uh, I was joking with Sister Donna earlier. Uh, if I had money to invest in stock market after all this, I'm going to invest it in paper products. Uh, and so on, because they are making a killing while everybody else is not doing very well. Uh, so anyway, we are, we're, we're, we're talking about trusting God's supply. And we're looking specifically at 1 Kings 17, the life of Elijah. Before I get into this book and what's going on here, I want to have a word of prayer with you. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Father, we want to first of all come before your throne of grace, your throne of mercy, and we just want to praise you. We want to worship you. Lord, we are here to love you because you have first loved us. Lord, we're getting into a new series today. 
a series on trusting you. And we're looking at the pictures that you've drawn for us by looking at the life of Elijah. And Lord, we just pray that the Holy Spirit, the real teacher, will use this, this man's life as, as some sort of instrumental way to help us to keep our focus upon you. Uh, Lord, we are trusting you for everything in our lives. And Lord, this, is, this lesson is going to reinforce those type of concepts. And Lord, we just worship you now through Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Let me give you a little bit of background on the book of 1 Kings, give you a background on what's going on so that when we get into looking at, look, looking at this scripture specifically, you know what's happening. The books of 1 Kings and 2 Kings originally were one book, the book of Kings. It wasn't divided into 1 Kings and 2 Kings. Uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't divided into two books. It was composed as a single document. And this single document... Its purpose was to, was to reflect on the successes and the failures of Israel's kings, starting with the end of David's reign all the way to the destruction of Jerusalem in, five, in 587 B.C. So this, this traces Israel's kings uh, from David to the end. Now, Elijah shows up during the reign of one of Israel's uh, harshest and most evil kings, and his name is Ahab. Uh, Ahab ruled Israel from about 869 to 850 BC. So he reigned for about uh, 19 years in Israel. Now, in 1 Kings chapter 16, if you back up a chapter, in 1 Kings 16.33, we are basically told that Ahab did more to provoke God's anger than any king before him. God was not pleased with Ahab at all. Uh, Ahab was, you know, he just provoked God over and over and over. His first and probably biggest offense to God and, and to his religious stance uh, was his marriage to Jezebel. Not that he married a woman and not even that he married her for the political reasons. It's because Jezebel was the daughter of the king of Tyre of Phoenicia. Uh, in other words, he didn't marry a Jew. He married a Phoenician woman. Now, the problem wasn't even the race, even though that, that is an issue, but it's not a big issue. The big issue was the insult to the worship of God, because Jezebel was a devoted follower of Baal. Now, Many of you in listening to this Sunday school lesson, watching this Sunday school lesson, you've heard of the worship of Baal. You've heard preachers preach about the worship of Baal. You've heard teachers teach about it. But typically in my growing up experience in the church, they talk about the worship of Baal, but seldom do I hear preachers and teachers get into why that's such a big deal besides idolatry. Well, the reason why it's a big deal is because Baal is the Canaanite god of rain and vegetation. That's an important concept here, especially as we're getting into 1 Kings chapter 17. Baal is the god, the Canaanite god of rain. All right? Now, obviously, you got to have rainfall to support the crops, and if you don't have rainfall to support the crops, the crops fail and people start dying. When we get to 1 Kings chapter 17, the very first verse, you have an important statement here, and it is a direct uh, opposition 
to Baal. It's a direct opposition to Jezebel's religion. Because in 17.1, the Bible says, Elisha the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, now this is the quote, As the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. In other words, uh, the prophet says, Elijah says, hey, guess what? God has determined it's not going to rain. And it's not going to rain until, you know, the pronouncement is made, but we're going to have rain. A drought is coming. Immediately, the people who follow Baal, including Jezebel, would be praying to Baal saying, let it rain. You're the God of rain. We all know that Baal is a false, false, false God. Baal, Baal is not a God at all to pray to. Uh, but this is the real God showing that the false god, the god of rain, he, uh, he's not able to answer. So Elijah has made the statement, it's not going to rain at all. So it's, it is direct opposition to Jezebel. Anyone who knows anything about the life of Elijah versus Ahab and Jezebel know that they don't get along very well. Uh, Ahab tries to have Elijah killed in the future and so on. It's because of this religious difference. Because Elijah's advocating the real God and Ahab and Jezebel, and by the way, Ahab knew better. Ahab and Jezebel are advocating Baal, this God of rain. Now, it takes a lot of nerve. It takes a lot of bravery to approach the king and not only tell him that his religion is wrong, but tell him that it's so wrong that God's going to prove it. This, this verse, 1 Kings 17, 1, is a verse of bravery. It's also a verse of obedience. You know, there are times that the men of God, preachers and teachers, have to say things and have to take stands on issues that are not always popular. Uh, just to be honest with you, no man of God, no preacher or teacher of God's word is in this for a popularity contest. To be frank... There have been people who have loved me as a teacher and there are people who despise me as a teacher because in the time period I've said something or I've done something where I'm standing upon God's word and people do not want to accept it. We're not in this as a popularity contest because quite frankly, if you've looked at the realm of Christianity over the last 40, 50 years, it hasn't been getting more and more popular. It's becoming less and less popular. People are following other ways, doing other things, disobedient to God's word, proclaiming that God is sovereign, you know, giving that proclamation that Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That's not a popular message today. So we're not in this in a popularity contest because quite frankly, we lose the popularity contest. The crowd, the world, the world system, they don't like what we have to say as far as standing on God's word. Here's Elijah, the prophet of God, going to the king. The, the, you know, he, and, and this king has dictatorial power. And he's saying to the king, hey, guess what? It's not going to rain until I say so. That's a brave statement because he's not just telling the king it's not going to rain. He's going against the king and queen's religion. He's saying that your God of rain is no good. Baal doesn't work. That's a lot of bravery. So, God realizes that this puts Elijah's life in danger. 
Uh, obviously, because Elijah could have been beheaded, he could have been imprisoned or whatever. And by the way, being, being a Christian today, holding a Christian stance, it means at times we, you know, we may have to put our life on the line. We have to be willing to have our life on the line to stand for what we believe because it's not going to be popularly accepted. So God directs Elijah to go to a desolate place. And he goes there where God provides water and food. He tells the ravens, bring, bring some food. This is Elijah trusting God for what God provides. You know, ladies and gentlemen, God provides. He provides in the worst of situations. He provides in the harshest of situations. My Bible tells me that my needs are met according to his riches in glory. And I love this phrase, by Christ Jesus. And what that means by Christ Jesus, it means by his authority, because of who Christ Jesus is, my needs are met. What, what is my responsibility? My responsibility is to have faith that my needs are met according to his riches in glory. My needs are met. Now that's not my wants. That's not all my desires. I have a lot of things that I desire, uh, but I don't necessarily get uh, because it's not a need. But my needs are met according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Some of you who are listening to me, you've had some hard situations. You've had some dire situations. You know what it is to hurt. You know what it is to be in pain. And you know what it is to struggle. But those of us who are saved, even in the, even in the worst of situations, we know what it is to have the comfort and blessing of the Spirit of God inside of us. And we know how that uh, he just comes through for us. I will never forget several, several years ago, um, I, don't, uh, I, I think I was living, we were living in the state of Kentucky at the time, and uh, we had a situation where some finances got away from us, and we were having some dire situations going on, and I, I told the Lord, I said, Lord, we, we either have to cut the expenses, or we have to cut some of the income, or I'm sorry, get, get more income, or cut some of those expenses. I went out to the mailbox, and there was a check from State Farm Insurance, kind of ironic it'd be State Farm, as a rebate check or something. I don't remember what it was. It was just a few hundred bucks. It wasn't a lot of money. But that few hundred bucks was a lot of money to me at that particular time. And it came right at the time that Cynthia and I needed it. We were like, okay, Lord, we need something now. We, we don't know what the next step is. And here's this check that comes in the mail from State Farm. Ask me how much I love State Farm at that particular moment. Because we hadn't filed any claims. Here's this check from State Farm. I don't know what all was going on. I'm like, amen. Uh, it's State Farm and they blessed me. Uh, you can't tell me that that wasn't the hand of the Lord supplying needs, needs that we had at that particular moment. God, God tells Elijah, all right, Elijah, I want you to go out here to this desolate place. Go out here by this brook. And I, you know, just trust me, I'm going to give you water and I'm going to give you food. The ravens are going to bring food for you. And you are going to be fed and watered. Everything's going to be fine as you hide out. So this is Elijah trusting God to receive what God has. Many times we don't, we don't want to receive what God has for us. We want to tell God what to give us. And those are two different things. You know, Elijah prophet, you know, he, he probably would rather have steak dinners with baked potatoes and whatever. And now what's happening, he's being fed by ravens. So it's not the way you want it. It's the way God chooses. But if you trust God to receive what, what, all, what all he has for you, 
your life gets a lot better. So Elijah's in hiding, and the ravens are bringing him food. He has water to drink. Now, that's not the end of the story. The story continues to evolve because this brook dries up. The brook dries up uh, because of exactly what Elijah told, told Ahab. This was a wadi. This was a brook that would uh, fill up with water during, during, during the rainy season and would dry up in the dry season. Well, the problem is Elijah had told the king, hey, it's not going to rain. So the wadi or the brook dries up. So the water is gone. Now, a lot of people in this situation, a lot of Christians, instead of trusting God, continuing to trust God, what they do is complain. God, you told me you'd give me water and food. You told me the ravens would bring me food, but you also told me I'd have water. Look out here, God, it's all dried up. Uh, that's not the attitude to take with the Lord. It really isn't. Because you have to continue trusting God. Even when things look more, more dire than what they were before, whenever things look worse than what they were before, you don't let your trust go away. You don't start the complaining and the murmuring and so on. You know, if you look at the, if you just back up in your history and you look at the Israelites as they were in the desert, part of the reason why that whole generation died off and the new generation is, you know, that they're the ones who got to the promised land is because of murmuring and complaining. If you look at their journey, they kept going around the same mountain over and over and over. And every time they'd murmur and complain, God's attitude was, oh, more murmuring and complaining? Fine, take another lap. Go around the mountain, come back, let's see what happens again. They would go around the mountain and spend another few years, they'd come back. And what would happen? Murmuring and complaining. God would say, oh, you're not ready for the promised land yet. You want to murmur and complain, take another lap. And they'd go again. Uh, and that's why they spent 40 years in the desert and that generation had to die out and the new generation is the one that was raised up to go into the promised land, murmuring and complaining. So Elijah, as we get, get in the verse number seven of chapter 17, you know, it doesn't, you know, he's not murmuring, he's not complaining. All right, Lord, the water's gone, what's next? That's the attitude, basically, what's next? Lord, you said that you would provide for me, so what do I do? That takes us now to the, to the second section of the story, which is verses 8 through 16. 1 Kings 17, 8 through 16. God tells him to go to the land of Zarephath. Zarephath. And when he goes there, uh, God said, I have a widow who's going to provide for you. Now, this is Elijah still receiving what God has provided, but it goes to the next level. Not only is Elijah trusting God by receiving God's provision, but he's also trusting God by proclaiming confidence in God's provision. In other words, Elijah's not just receiving, now he's also proclaiming that God is the one who's ultimately in control. Now, before I get into the story, I want to I make a statement here. We need to be vocal about what God does for us. Not bragging on us, but bragging on him. Giving him the glory, the honor, and the praise for everything he's done for us. Just earlier, earlier in this lesson, I talked about State Farm sending me a check. I know God was the one who was ultimately behind all of that. Ladies and gentlemen, 
I'm giving God the glory and the praise. I'm proclaiming what God did for me in a hard situation, in a dire situation. We need to be people who proclaim what God does. So many times we are receiving the blessings of God and then we're keeping quiet about them. And we shouldn't be keeping quiet about them at all. We need to be proclaimers of what God has accomplished. We need to tell the whole world that Jesus loves us and that Jesus saves us. And not only does Jesus save us for for all of eternity in the future, but he saves us right now. He saves us in hard situations. He saves us in those situations that trouble our hearts. You know, whenever my mother passed away several years ago, that was one of the harshest things that I had ever had to live with. Losing my mom, my mom and I were very close. And it was a, it was a, it was a hard situation. But you know, even when, my, even when my mama passed, God was there. I knew where my mother went to. I know my mom was saved. I knew she was on her way to heaven. And I knew that when her final breath was taken and her heart stopped beating, I knew my mama was instantly in the presence of the Lord God Almighty. And you know what? That knowledge that I have deep down inside, I'm able to stand here and praise God. Because I know, number one, where is my mother? She's in heaven. And I know, number two, I'm not only going to see the Lord, but I'm going to see my mother once again. It was a hard situation. And when I, when I, whenever I stop to think about it, it's still a hard situation. But I'm able to proclaim to the whole world, I'm not worried. I'm not distressed. Because God is in control. God had saved my mother. I'm saved and I know I will see her again. That is, that is joy. That is a joy deep down inside. So Elijah is trusting God by proclaiming confidence. When you look at this part of the story, verses 8 through 16, the widow is preparing a last meal for herself and her son. That's verses 10 and 12. She's, she is preparing a last meal for herself and her son. In other words, you know, we're, we are getting ready to die. We're gonna, we are going to eat our last little bit of bread and that's it. We're going to starve to death. This is, this is a widow, though, who listened to the voice of the Lord. Elijah goes to the widow. This is verses 13 to 14. And he, and he basically makes a promise. He says, the Lord is going to provide for you for all of this situation until the drought is over. All right. Now, that's a promise. The Lord's going to provide for you. It took a step of faith for this widow to accept God's provision. Elijah proclaimed it because Elijah just lived it. Elijah just lived with the ravens feeding him and the brook being, being a source of water. He lived with God's provision. He lived, he lived with God being the one who's ultimately in control. Now he tells this to the woman and the woman is in the same type of dire situation. I'm going to make a little bit of meat, uh, uh, bread rather. I'm going I'm, I'm, I'm to make a little bit of bread and then guess what? I'm going to die. So Elijah proclaims to her, no, you're not. You're going to be provided for until this drought is over. Now this woman, I mean, at this point, it's a matter of faith. Either she accepts what the prophet of God has said that she's going to be taken care of or she rejects it and she rebels. Sadly to say, so many people who call themselves by the name of Christ they choose the latter and they reject and they go into failure. You mean to tell me God's going to do some sort of miracle? To... Ladies and gentlemen, the answer to that question is yes, he will do some sort of miracle. Absolutely, he will do some sort of miracle. Miracle. So Elijah makes this assurance. The widow doesn't take the bad attitude. 
She becomes generous. He says, make me a piece of bread first. And this generous widow, with what little bit she has, she uses her meal and oil uh, to, to make a preparation for the prophet and then for herself and her son. Ladies and gentlemen, God's word was true. The oil didn't run, did not run dry. The meal did not, the flour did not run dry. God provided for this widow and her son until the drought was over. I want you to imagine, you know, you're pouring some oil out of the oil container and the oil is now in the pan or whatever. You look at the bottle, it's still got oil in it. You go the next time and you pour, pour more oil, you look at the bottle, there's still oil in it. And it keeps doing this. It keeps replenishing itself over and over and over. It, it, is a, it is a miracle of the Lord. And this miracle of the Lord was given because she stepped on faith. Faith is the activation for all of God's promises, ladies and gentlemen. It is the, it is the key of activation for all of God's promises. This, it is an Old Testament principle. It is a New Testament principle. God responds to people's faith. This widow acted in faith. She made the bread for the prophet. And what happens? Her oil never runs dry. Her flour never runs dry. It is, it, it, it is, it is a divine provision of the Lord. Now, I am a firm believer that every time you're blessed, you're going to have a trial. Every time you're blessed, trouble's on its way. For every mountaintop, there is a valley. For every success, there's a trial. And that is true in the case of this woman. She was getting ready to face her hardest trial of life. And it is the last part of 1 Kings chapter 17. We're looking at verses 17 to 24. What's the hardest trial that this woman could face? Who was she preparing her last meal for? Herself and her son. And as you get into verse number 17, her son dies. That is the hardest thing for a parent to, to actually endure. Uh, it, it is one thing, as I've said earlier, to lose my mother. It's a very, very different thing, just the thought of losing my son. My wife and I, we have one son, Micah, and he is our pride and joy. His birthday's come up. He already got his birthday present yesterday. We gave him, we gave him his birthday present a little bit early. Uh, but uh, he... Uh, uh, he's our one and only son, and we love him. He's our pride and joy. Uh, he's not a perfect person. There is no such thing, but he's a good young man. He's turned out very well, and he serves the Lord. He serves him with all of his heart, and uh, he's just a good, faithful young man, uh, educated young man, and uh, if something happened to him, I don't know what my mental state would be. Uh, just, just the idea that my son could pass away uh, is hard for me to endure. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this. It's, it's one thing. I mean, my wife and I, we had a miscarriage earlier and so on. Uh, having a miscarriage is hard enough. But my son's 20 years old. Uh, the idea of him passing away now is harder. And some of you have had this experience. Some of you have lost children. What I'm talking about, you know, just trying to imagine... With, with, with my limited capacity, what that must be like. Some of you have already experienced that and you know the heartache and you know the burden and you know the trouble. The widow's son dies and she's just about ready to lose her mind over it. 
Her faith starts to waver at this point. Uh, her faith starts to waver. Now, this is where Elijah's, you know, he, he's able to step up. Because in verse number 18, the widow starts blaming Elijah. Wait a minute, I thought everything was going to be okay. I see the miracle of the oil. I see the miracle of the flower. Everything's all right. Everything's wonderful. And now my son's dead. You know, if you'd have just stayed wherever, my son may not have died. I mean, she's heartbroken. Her son has passed away. Now, this is the third thing. Not only are we supposed to be proclaimers of what God can do, we are supposed to be channels for God to work through. In other words, we are supposed to be blessing other people. Well, I heard a preacher say one time that God has called us not to be dams, but to be reservoirs. Not to be dams of God's blessing. We are not supposed to dam them up. We're not supposed to shut them up. When God blesses us, we're not supposed to hoard them for ourselves. But when God blesses us, we're supposed to send those blessings out to others. To bless others as much as possible. Because the more we try to be stingy and we try to store up God's blessings, God's like, okay, you have enough. That's done. But the lesson from Elijah is that we don't store them up. We don't store up God's blessings. We share God's blessings. Uh, a few weeks ago, uh, just before this coronavirus thing started, and some of you, I, mean, I, I think I testified about this in our adult Sunday school class, I was in line at McDonald's drive-thru. And the person in front of me paid for my meal. It wasn't much. It was just five or six dollars. It wasn't much. But it was the idea that the person paid for my meal. Now, I saw the back of the person's car. They had the little Christian fish on there. They had the cross on there, so on. I mean, it was obvious that they were acting, acting in their Christian faith. But what, I mean, they had the resources. They don't know who I was. No idea at all. But what did they do? They decided to bless me with a McDonald's meal. That's getting the blessings through us. That, you know, and just as they've done that, I want to be able to bless, bless other people as well. Get the blessings through us. So this woman is hurting. Her son has died. She has blamed Elijah for it. What does Elijah do as you read verses 19 to 21? He cradles this boy and he starts asking God to revive him. Let his soul return to him, Elijah says. Revive him. Now, this is the prophet of God making, making an appeal to God, which reassures this woman's faith. Remember, she is a woman of faith because she acted in faith by giving the bread to the prophet first. So she is a woman of faith. But sometimes circumstances will try to separate us from our faith. So Elijah channels the blessing through him to this young boy. And what happens? God revives him. I don't know about you, but I'm still a believer that God can raise the dead. All right? I mean, he took a dead sinner like me and he brought me to life. And what he's able to do spiritually, he's able to do physically. God not only made the body, he's able to heal the body. The boy is healed. And this convinces the widow. I like, I like what she says. It convinces the widow that Elijah is, quote, a man of God. Because he was able to channel the blessing of God through him to the boy and the boy lived. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to be a man of God. And I know that you want to be a man or a woman of God. For people to truly get the testimony, we not only have to say it, which is the second part of the story, we not only have to proclaim that God's miracle working power is still here, we also have to take the next step and be channels of it. 
We have to be willing to take whatever resources and blessings that God has given to us and channel them for the blessings of others. In other words, to use the phrase, it's better to give than what it is to receive. When God lets us receive something, we need to be givers. And the more that we are givers, the more God's able to bless us. I have found the more I give, the more I get. The more I give to others and bless others, the more God is able to bless me because I'm a channel of those blessings. I keep getting blessed because I keep giving out blessings. The more I get, the more I give. But when I start channeling it up and I start harboring them and when I start damming them up, what happens? Well, you know what happens. The blessings stop, stop, stop coming. The blessings stop. So, uh, Elijah uh, has prayed. The boy, the, the boy has healed, has, has, has been healed. This is really a picture of what the Lord has given us in the Lord's prayer. Whenever the Lord said, give us, Lord, our daily bread. That daily bread business, ladies and gentlemen, is the fundamental issue here. God provides the bread. We act on faith. Because we act on faith and we receive the bread. What's the next step? We tell other people, God will provide our daily bread. And then where we see a need for daily bread, and we, if we have two loaves of bread and someone has none, what do we do? We give the loaf of bread. So we become channels of the blessing. So we receive, we, we, are, we are to proclaim, and after we are proclaiming, then we are to act upon it. I right, proclaim and then act. Well, that finishes the adult Sunday school lesson today. I pray that you have been blessed. Uh, we will continue next week. Uh, I would like for you to read some in 1 Kings chapter 18. But we are going to continue with our study of the life of Elijah and God and, and, and trusting God for the things of our life. I want to have a word of prayer with you today. Lord, again, we love you. Lord, we've, we have looked at some things in Elijah's life. I pray, O oh Lord, that people are blessed. And Lord, uh, in this time of crisis in our country, I pray, Lord, for all of those who are struggling. But I pray, Lord, that those of us who are people of faith can be advocates of you. And Lord, that we can truly testify about the abilities that you have to help us. And not only that, to take whatever actions possible to bless others. Lord, if there's ever a time that people needed to be blessed, it's right now. So Lord, help us. Use us as instruments of yours to help others. Lord, Lord, we give you honor and praise for this through Jesus Christ. Amen. We hope you enjoyed, were enriched, educated, and edified by this lesson from Dr. Rich Roberts. Join us next week as Dr. Roberts continues his series, Trusting God. Many of his other teachings and sermons can be found in the Sermon Audio Archive on our website at www.portlandgbc. Org. Again, that's www.portlandgbc.org. Most of these recordings can also be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and all other major podcast platforms. Each week, our Sunday School lessons and sermons are also available on our YouTube channel. 
Just search for Portland General Baptist Church on your favorite platform. Until next time, stay safe and may God bless you.